Hello, hello, and welcome to Alters and Oil Reloaded. As always, I'm uh, Alters, and I'm here with Oil the Artist. Good morning, everyone, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to our podcast. Uh, it's morning for us, and we are the watch by which everyone should set themselves, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> uh, how's your week been? How have you been finding lockdown? I know you're out in... um. What's it called? Uh, rural Regional, Victoria. Yeah. Regional Victoria. Yeah, it hasn't been. It's been pretty all right. Uh, just, you know, you got to check in to when you go places and wear face masks, and that's pretty much about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much same here. Just get your little bit of yard time each day, face masks, check in everywhere. Although I have been forgetting to check into a lot of places, and no one pulls me up on it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, no, some, do you do you have have you had any of the checkout people been like, have you signed in? I'm just like, yep. Then they're like, okay. No, I haven't had anyone ask me. And uh, it's oh. not like I'm against signing in. I just walk past signs, completely oblivious to it. And forget the, yeah. the um, force of habit, sort of thing. I mean, it's a little bit unclear as well because um, what's it called my partner? She's got a yarn store and she's just doing click and collect. Uh, so people just stopping by, grabbing bags and moving on. Right. She's had a really hard time the last week finding if she does or does not need to have QR scanning codes at the place. So she just gave up and said, fine, I'll just, I'll just put one there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, what else? You can't really do anything else, can you? What do you mean? You can't really force people to do it. Well, I mean, you could just like not let them in. True. But I mean, if it's also click and collect, like. If they're just well, I mean, the door's locked, they have to you know knock and get them to come and give them their stuff. Oh, okay, could be like you don't get your stuff till you sign in, yeah, okay, that works, but yeah, I think like because there was confusion because the rule was, oh, if they're going to be there less than 15 minutes, they don't have to sign in, so like take away food, coffee, collects, oh. and stuff like that. It was, oh, you don't need to do it, and it's like, oh no, now everyone needs to do it, oh, okay. But this is coming from different news sources and there's no, like, the government website shit. <laughs> yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. Pretty I've just much. Been signing in for everything, take away whatever, if I remember. Well, yeah, exactly. All right, Very shall good. we dig into today's topic? Yes. The, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is that right? Willy Wonka and the uh, Everything Factory, sort of, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Nestle. Today we wanted to talk about Nestle. Um, what triggered this topic was that there was um, an internal document leaked from Nestle recently. Uh, it's been making the rounds in a lot of papers. I think it was first done in the Financial Times um, where Nestle were concerned that only 30%, 37% of their products by revenue, so and this is excluding pet foods as well. So only thirty-seven percent of its products by revenue would meet a three point five star rating on Australia's health star rating system. So only thirty-seven percent of its products are considered not unhealthy. Okay. So they're concerned that sixty-three percent of their products uh, by revenue, according to revenue, are unhealthy. Okay. By revenue, what does that mean? So it's not by by volume. I mean, if the thing they sell most is bottled water, 
but it's the cheapest thing they sell. It might only be 1% of their revenue. Right. Okay. So it's not by volume, it's by how much money they make from it. Okay. So the reasons they were concerned about it, according to the memo, is not necessarily because of the health risks it poses to the public, but because as people get more health conscious and more sort of informed and knowledgeable about nutrition and things like that, as they have been over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, people have been getting better with that. They're worried that their revenue might uh, go down. They're going to have to make different things then. Well, yeah, it's like they're committed to, you know, not making different things, but making the things they're making healthier. Okay. Which, I mean, when you're a company that one of your biggest lines is ice cream and chocolate, <laughs> I mean, you know, good luck to you. Fair enough if you want to give that a go. But I, I don't necessarily think that that's their concern to think about necessarily, oh, we're making unhealthy stuff. Um, we shouldn't make that. It's more like, well, no, that's up to the public. If you decide you need to change to make more money or stay relevant, that's fine. But if it's because it's you've like you think you've got a moral obligation to make your things more healthy, no, that's up to your consumers to decide if they do or don't want to buy your products. Yeah, that's a fair, a fair point. But anyway, that's neither here nor there because it wasn't so much this story, but it prompted us to think a little bit about Nestle uh, and their image or their their history. What do you know about Nestle? Uh, I've, I've heard very bad things and I probably should read up on them, but I have heard about the baby formula incident. incident. Yeah. Anything else? Any other buzzwords that come to mind with Nestle? Baby formula is a big one. I think that's their company started in Switzerland, and that was the first thing that they made, I believe. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that one. I just knew that there was some sort of controversy with them sending baby formula to poorer countries or nations. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other ones, I believe, is they're buying up a lot of water. Yeah, buying up a lot of water, and you could also say that they're stealing a lot of water. Or that one. And then, um, what was the other one I had heard of? Slavery, or child labor, was it? Or is that Nike? Could be both. I think that's a, that's a lot of companies, <laughs> but yeah, child, uh, child labor, child slavery is something that they've been accused of. I believe they've still got a court case um, going at the moment. In the the US, some former child slaves have um, brought a lawsuit against Mars, Nestle, and Hershey. Hmm. Did not know that one. Where? So were they US people? No, I think they they made their way to the United States. I don't know if it's through refugee status or whatever, um, but they've filed a, a lawsuit uh, against them, uh, and they're being represented by I think the uh, International Rights Advocate Group. Good on them. Did I say three of them? I think it was eight former child slaves, it says here in this article. Okay. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Who say they were forced to work without pay on cocoa plantations in West African countries. Uh, The Ivory Coast, specifically. That sucks. Yeah, sucks for them. Yeah. Um, uh, Palm oil is another thing that they're sort of known for. What do you know about palm oil? Oh, there's a lot of deforestation happening to create the palm oil plantations. Yep. Uh, and also palm oil is in fucking everything. 
Is that because they're just substituting it for other things? So there's a there's a couple reasons for it that I found on uh, the uh, World Wildlife Foundation website. So it's it's very very useful for a lot of different things. Um, one thing being that it's a really efficient crop, so you get more oil per land than a lot of other vegetable oil crops. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the example they've got here is so for soy you get. 40, 0.4 tons per hectare, whereas for palm oil, you get 3.3 tons per hectare. Yeah, that's a massive increase. For coconuts, it's, oh, sorry, for coconuts and sunflower seeds, um, it's, or sunflowers, it's 0.7 tons per hectare, and palm oil gives you that 3.3 tons per hectare. So you get a lot more per hectare. So in that sense, I mean, it could be looked at as a good thing it could be looked at as um something that's very it could it could be something that's um environmentally friendly if it were done in different ways because you get a greater yield for less land um but another reason why it's in sorry go on i was gonna say they're destroying a lot of rainforests forests to create these fields i'm guessing to yeah they're they're taking it to they're taking it to the extreme because they just need so much and they're just destroying, deforesting as much rainforest, mainly in places like uh, Malaysia and Indonesia are the big areas. I think yeah. you get eighty percent of the world's um, uh, palm oil from that region. Okay. Another reason, so it's in everything. The reason it's in everything is it's really sort of versatile in what you can use it for. Um, like it's semi-solid at room temperature, so you can keep spread spreadable. You can keep uh, like toothpaste at that nice texture that you want at room temperature without having to do anything with it. It's resistant to oxidation, so it gives products a longer shelf life. It's stable at high temperatures, so you can use it to give fried products a crispy and crunchy texture. It's odorless and colorless, so it doesn't alter the taste or smell of stuff. Yeah, it's it's yeah, really useful. That's 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 a good list. Um, Sounds like the but, magic the magic gold fluid. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty useful, but it's just been taken to the extreme where it's used for fucking everything. So it just needs a ton of space. Oh, not actually. I suppose the problem's not so much that it needs a ton of space, but it's just being produced in regions where they're just not paying any attention to the environment. It's being uh, produced illegally in areas that it shouldn't be produced, and it's being produced with slaves and child labor in some cases that sucks that is not cool not cool nicely and when you when you do it in a place like the amazon when you or or rainforest when you clear that land it releases tons of uh uh greenhouse gases into the atmosphere because you're disturbing all the carbon that's just stored in that soil and in those plants and then you'd be taking away a lot of the greenery that's taking in the carbon as well yep and then also dehabitation so yep. removing habitat for local um, wildlife, like I think a, one of the big sort of, what's the word I'm looking for, poster children of the World Wildlife Foundation at the moment is orangutans. Mm-hmm. So it's mainly their habitat that's being disturbed in those areas. So yeah, they're being, well, killed while that's deforested. But then after the fact, when there's no food for them to eat, they've got to move on and they're running out of habitat to live in. Well, a grim, grim... Tuesday morning, I've woken up to. 
poor right, orangutans. This is this is the real world. It's time for you to grow up, right? Man? <laughs> Fair. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so in 2010, Nestle uh, committed to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sourcing palm oil from only sustainable, responsible sources. So mm-hmm. sources that don't rely on deforestation, sources that are sustainably farmed, sources that don't exploit workers, don't um, remove indigenous peoples from land, don't impact wildlife, that sort of thing. But the Rainforest Action Network assessed not just them, but eight brands. So Kellogg's, General Mills, Mondelez, Hershey's, Mars, PepsiCo, Nestle and Unilever. And they found that these guys who'd made commitments like this, they they weren't even close to meeting that commitment. So 10 years ago, they said that they would do something about it and they've just not done something about it or not done enough about it. We're sorry. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And it sort of follows a pattern of behavior for Nestle. Which one should we tackle first? Should we go with the baby formula thing? Yeah, let's go, let's go with the baby formula one. I suppose because that's one of their biggest sort of products. Oh, actually, I suppose the thing to know about Nestle as well is it's a massive food stuff company. Uh, I think it's the largest food company in the world. It's got over 2,000 brands. So, for example, Nestle ice cream, haagen ice cream. What dairy lines do they own? Uh, none that are really well known in Australia. They do Milo and they do Nesquik. They do both of the chocolatey drinks because everyone knows there's only two. They do a large range of chocolates, like your Kit Kats, Smarties, Milky Bars. They do bottled water, which is a huge business for them. Uh, Perrier and uh, S Pellegrino. I don't know what the S stands for. I'm guessing San. They do cereals. Cheerios is one of theirs. Uh, Nesquik cereal is one of theirs. They also do, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like meal food stuff. So Maggi noodles, Lean Cuisine. DiGiorno Pizza, and they also um, own like the frozen Purina. Foods? Is that what you mean? Or? Like frozen foods, two-minute noodles, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, hot Pockets, I think, as well. That that I don't know if they do Hot Pockets, but that sort of stuff, microwave slash frozen stuff. Uh, and they also do uh, Pet Care. Purina is their big pet food brand. Instant so foods. A- That's the word you're looking for. Instant foods. Thank you. God damn. <laughs> that was going to keep me awake at night. <laughs> what is it? What are all these brand names? <laughs> Going to the supermarket and just waving two-minute noodles at one of the, the workers. What is this? Tell me what this is. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're, a, they're, a massive, they're a massive company. But the way they started out was, I think their first big thing was baby formula. Okay, so the way that they marketed baby formula, oh, well, you sounded like you knew a little bit about this. Did you want to tell it? Um, or tell me what you think it is. I've, it's only, for, I haven't looked, I haven't got an article for this one, but from what I remember, so while I was traveling, someone was like, I just remember them ranting like, fuck Nestle, fuck that company. They, um, they went overseas and like sold baby formula to people or gave baby formula to these people that were in like, not the best conditions, but what ended up happening was, is the mothers stopped being able to produce me- bre- breast milk and then they had to buy the formula. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I heard. So it was like basically trapping these people and in order to 
uh, keep the children alive. They had to keep buying the formula rather than being able to feed them with breast milk. Yeah, pretty. I mean, pretty much it. The way that they, a lot of the stuff you're saying there, it's there's not necessarily something wrong with baby formula if it's used at the right stage of an infant's development and in the right circumstances. But the way that Nestle were marketing it and pushing it and where they were doing it was very, very unethical. And it was just all the wrong ways to do it. So the article that I went off was from a website called ZME Science. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The article is called Why Nestle is One of the Most Hated Companies in the World and by Mihai Andre. Okay. Uh, so the paragraph here or the section here called baby formula and boycott. So in the nineties, it's very, uh, I'll read it as it is. We're in the nineties. And this is a sad story about poverty, breastfeeding and greed. Nestle aggressively pushed their breastfeeding formula in less economically developed countries, specifically targeting the poor. They made it seem that their infant formula was almost as good as a mother's milk, which is highly unethical for several reasons. The first problem was the need for water sanitation. Most of the groups they were targeting, especially in Africa, didn't have access to clean water. Many don't to this day. So this, uh, so it was necessary for them to boil the water. But due to low literacy rates, many mothers were not aware of this. So they mixed the formula with polluted water, which put the children at great risk. Nestle seems to have knowingly ignored this and encouraged mothers to use the formula, even when they knew the risks. Breastfeeding, one of the most important aspects for an infant, especially in unsanitized areas, was cast aside. Baby formula was the nearest thing in the world and this splendid triumph of care and science is so like mother's milk that the tiny stomach won't notice the difference. So that's uh, what Nestle was saying, Mm -hmm. but the tiny stomach did notice the difference. Breast, uh, this is uh, from uh, Save the Children report in 2007. Breastfeeding is unparalleled in providing the ideal food for infants. The optimal way to feed a baby is exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months, followed by breastfeeding combined with complementary foods until the child is two years old. So many mothers were able to read in their native tongue, but were still unable to read the language in which sterilization instructions were written. Even if mothers understood the need to boil the water, they might not have had the facilities to do so. UNICEF estimates that a formula-fed child living in disease-ridden and unhygienic conditions is between 6 and 25 more time, times more likely to die of diarrhea and 4 times more likely to die of pneumonia than a breastfed child. Another problem was that mothers tend to use less formula than needed to make the jar last longer, resulting in many infants receiving inadequate amounts. That sucks. Yeah. That's brutal. So... One thing that jumps out at me is why would you not have the sterilization uh, instructions written in the same language as the other instructions or the Mm -hmm. branding or the native language for the country? That seems like intentionally deceptive. Yeah, that's that's a dick move right there. Uh, And that number is between 6 and 25 times more likely to die of diarrhea than a breastfed child. Yeah, that's, that's a big... That's huge. So those are the first big things, but then it goes on to say, but even if the water was boiled and even if the formula was administered in the right proportion and in the right quantity, it is lacking in many of the nutrients and antibodies that breast milk provides. Breast milk contains a required amount of nutrients essential for neuronal, brain and nerve uh, development, and to some extent, 
protects the baby from many diseases and potential infections. According to the International Baby Food Action Network, Nestle use unethical methods to promote their infant formula to poor mothers in developing countries, but it gets even worse. So nothing's as good as breast milk for an infant. Baby formula doesn't come close. They knew that, yet they still marketed it as the nearest thing to, well, I suppose they were just deceptive in the way they marketed it. Yeah. I wonder if another reason that some mothers in those countries would have gone for that sort of thing is it's less taxing on them. I suppose if you're breastfeeding a child, it's using up a lot of your energy as well. And time. You've got to do other things. You've got to do other things. You don't necessarily have a lot of food for yourself. So any way that you can cut down on what you're losing would be good. It's true. And then maybe if you're working, you can just, you know, bottle the formula and hand it to one of your other children's or family members and then go to work. Yeah, absolutely. So the article goes on to say the International Baby Food Action Network claims that Nestle distributes free formula samples to hospitals and maternity wards after leaving the hospital. The formula is no longer free, but because the supplementation has interfered with lactation, the family must continue to buy the formula. Uh, Nestle desires those allegations, sort of. So this is a statement from Nestle. Nestle takes reports on non-compliance with World Health Organization code very seriously, and we have endeavored to investigate all allegations brought to our attention, despite the fact that in many cases we are not provided with accurate details substantiating the accusations. This makes it difficult for us to investigate how, where, and when the alleged infringement could have occurred. Some of the allegations are several years old before they are brought to public attention, which also could complicate the investigation. So they're essentially saying, look, we try to stick to every code that we can. And I mean, all of this stuff that you're accusing us of is old. I mean, how are we meant to substantiate any of that? So that's sort of um, along the lines of what you were saying, how once that lactation process has been interfered with, they've got no choice. They've got to keep buying it. Yeah, that sucks. Sucks, sucks, sucks. Did any, has anything come of that? So one of the big things um, that comes from it is lots of countries and organizations boycott Nestle. Mm -hmm. It seems to go through a cycle of boycotting, not boycotting, then boycotting as Nestle does damage control, comes to deals, makes payouts. Because it'd be a pretty hard thing to do as well. What would be hard to do? I I imagine to boycott them. Yeah. I I suppose it depends on the products. It could be hard. I mean, just because... They have so many brands. And another thing that Nestle do, so those brands we were talking about before, they're international ones. Mm-hmm. Nestle also tends to, I think this article actually said they have up to 8,000 brands. So their website said that they've got over 2,000 brands. This article sort of suggested that they have about 8,000 brands. Because yeah. um, one of the things that Nestle like to do apparently is buy local brands and local businesses uh, and own them. Okay. But they don't necessarily change the branding or the product or anything like that. So they've got a lot of other brands that you might not be aware of that aren't necessarily branded as, you know, Nestle's Kit Kat or Nestle's Smarties or Nestle-owned Purina. Yeah. And the other thing is as well, like they own shares. So they own like 23, basically about 23% of L'Oreal. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, so... That's the the world's largest cosmetics and beauty company. And then within those brands, there's Garnier, Maybelline, and a few other brands as well. 
Oh, so you know they'd be all for fucking animal testing. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's probably that's probably why they bought the shares, just so they could get a finger in that pie. I'd say so. Let's have a look. What are, what are we looking at? Oh, they had shares in another company called Alcon, but it looks as though they've so sold all those shares. <sighs> What's Alcon? Alcon sound. Let, wait, let me guess. Is it crude oil of some sort? Fossil fuels uh, of some sort? Close. No, well, not fossil, but it's in that one of the you know one of the big ones. It's a medical company. Uh med. Okay, cool. The, the pharma like pharmaceuticals. Yeah. yeah, all right. Pharmaceuticals. More animal testing. Yeah, I guess that's where those that stuff kind of lives. I guess. But I mean, is it hasn't it got to the point where we've got methods where we don't even need to do that anymore? I mean, I've certainly found brands of shampoo and conditioner that don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I always try and buy stuff that's not animal tested. Sometimes it can be difficult to do that, though. They might not say anything about it on their packaging. Yeah. So you just find those brands that you know are, or you do your research to know which ones are. Oh, excuse me. And you stick with those. But it still still happens. I mean, also to me, it seems like counterintuitive. How so? Are you paying more people then to do these tests to make sure the product's fine? Like, and then what, do you have to increase the value of your merchandise to cover the sales of the people doing the testing? I suppose it may not even be a cost thing. Well, it may, it may be a strictly a time thing. Like if you jump straight to animal testing rather than some other stuff you would have to do without animal testing, maybe it's faster and therefore uh, cheaper. Yeah. Like if you can just get something and spray it on a living thing or test it on a living thing straight away, you can see what's what impact it has or what yeah. negative impacts it has. Yeah, and then you can get to the shelf quicker. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe. I'm not hugely familiar with animal testing. I imagine it would be something like that. It'd be, it'd I was be... thinking there's someone you have to pay and then, you know, they have to do that. And then I'm like, isn't that just costing to more expenses? But yeah, I see you. Yes. I mean, with these things, it always comes down to time and or money. Which one is going to save me? Time and money. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know, but then you should have the experience of, like, past, like, I don't know, isn't that, shouldn't we be getting better as humans? Yeah. I mean, what's cool? We're only, like, when, when did Star Trek, uh, when is, oh, I'm going to say, when, when is, when is Star Trek first set i think it's like 2020 isn't it or 2049 uh, how far away are we 20, me up. 2254 i think okay. um is when it was first set so all right we haven't got long to be working towards a utopian <laughs> global society or intergalactic society all right we got to get this shit rolling <laughs> everyone okay. needs to sit down and watch some goddamn star trek I don't think that's how it works. Well, you find me a better solution. I don't know. Do science. Like me and my partner are watching um, <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation at the moment. Much better people now. Okay. Three seasons in and we're already the ideal of what everyone should be. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> don't you patronize me. It's true. <laughs> show everyone me, needs show more Picard in their life. What would Picard do? Okay. Going to make stickers? 
I reckon I might. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon there'd be some money they, in that. They, they probably already exist. What would <laughs> Picard do? What would Picard do? Stickers. Ah, yep. There we go. There's a there's a t-shirt. T-shirt. So close. Yep, there's a t-shirt. Damn. So close. I'm several years too late, I imagine. Like, Is that bird coming in on your end or my end? Uh, might be on my end. There's a lot of birds around. Okay. Just gonna say Feathery it's... assholes. <laughs> nice little chirpy chirps. All right. Anyway, so we've done baby formula. What we've next done... should we talk we talked about animal testing. We talked about palm oil. Yes. Palm well, oil. to some to some extent. Some extent. So I, from the information I've been able to find, Nestle is one of the biggest palm oil users in the world, potentially the biggest one when it comes from a food product standpoint. And on top of that, so in to put that into context, they used 455,000 tons of palm oil in 2019 alone okay yep how many olympic size swimming pools is that i don't know because it's semi <laughs> it's semi-solid at room temperature so it's hard to do <laughs> so you can't just do liters you got to be working out your volumes and stuff but for example so four five five zero 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 divided by three point three actually let me just double check my um fact sheet on how much palm oil you get per hectare. All right, so you get 3.3 tons of palm oil per hectare. So what we want to do is 455,000 tons divided by 3.3. So, whoa, it's 137,878 hectares of land being used to produce that. That's a lot of land. Yes. How much is a hectare? I don't know what a hectare is. I'm... Holy shit, that's 10,000 square meters. Yeah. That is a lot of land. All right, so 1.3 billion square meters. Fucking hell. How many square how many square meters is Australia? But no, that can't be. Oh, that's no, I said square meters. I don't want kilometers squared. I'm not doing any fucking conversions. <laughs> no, I don't want kilometers. I want square meters. It's all you get. All you get is kilometers, mate. No square meters for you. All right. So Australia is seven point six. Sorry, seven point six eight million square kilometers. So square kilometers. I should have prepared this earlier. I'm sorry. That's all right. I I, I threw it, I threw you with the Olympic swimming pool question. All right. Then this is better. This is better. So one square kilometer equals one hundred hectares. So. Let's go back and divide that by 10,000. All right. So we've got 137,878 hectares. Mm -hmm. So we want to divide that by 100. Okay. So 1,378 square kilometers of land being used just for uh, palm oil production. Uh, so that's, well, all right. It doesn't sound that bad when you do it that way, but I still think it's bad. <laughs> Plus, my conversions may be off, <laughs> but it's um, it's more than it's more than half of the ACT, so the Australian Capital Territory. Yeah, it's still yeah, it's a lot of land. And bearing in mind my conversion, I don't have any pen and paper to write all this stuff down on, so I'm just doing it 
with a calculator in my head, my conversion's maybe off. But that's the amount of land they're using for palm oil. You could fit a lot of slaves on that land. You could fit a lot of (laughs) slaves on there. Great. I'm going to have guilt about everything I purchase. Fuck, so much room for slaves. So much room for activities. (laughs) Well, should we talk about the slavery accusations? Yeah, we can go into those ones. Yeah. So let's look at this article um, from the US. It's from theguardian.com. Uh, Mars, Nestle, and Hershey to face child slavery lawsuit in US. Chocolate companies are among the defendants named in a lawsuit brought by former child workers in the Ivory Coast. So eight children who claim they were used as slave labor on cocoa plantations in the Ivory Coast have launched legal action against the world's biggest chocolate companies. They accuse the corporations of aiding and abetting the illegal enslavement of thousands of children on cocoa farms in their supply chains. And that's, And bearing in mind, deforestation is a big thing with cocoa farms as well. This is true. Uh, yeah, and so Nestle was one of the defendants named in the lawsuit filed by the human rights firm International Rights Advocate on behalf of the former child slaves. Uh, the plaintiffs, all of whom are originally from Mali are now young adults, are seeking damages for forced labour and further compensation for unjust enrichment, negligent supervision and intentional infliction of emotional distress. It's the first time that a class action of this kind has been filed against the cocoa industry in a U.S. court. Uh, Citing research by the U.S. State Department, the International Labor Organization and UNICEF, among others, the court documents allege that plaintiffs' experience of child slavery is mirrored by thousands of other miners. So the Ivory Coast produces about 45% of the global supply of cocoa, core ingredient in chocolate, as we know, and the production of cocoa in West Africa has long been linked to human rights abuses, structural poverty, low pay, and child labor. A central allegation of the lawsuit is that the defendants, despite not knowing the cocoa farms in question, knowingly profited from the illegal work of children. According to the submissions, the defendants' contracted suppliers were able to provide lower prices than if they had employed adult workers with proper protective equipment. That's, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, it does not you sound put it that good. way. <laughs> so one thing that um, Nestle likes to refer to when doing this is their supplier code. So they've got a supplier code on their website and it says like, oh, these are the things we sus- we expect of our suppliers. And it's got things like, you know, follow all, all laws in the region, mm-hmm. um, not... Uh, take any unethical advantages, um, things like that. And they always say, we've got a very strict supplier code. If we find any of our suppliers aren't following by this code, we'll no longer work with them. And they just sort of hide behind that a lot. As you would, as you would, dodgy, dodgy. uh, Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Um, But it's just, so I suppose one thing to take away from this is that while we're focusing on Nestle here, a lot of other companies are doing this. I suppose the yeah. reason we're following on Nestle is that there's a very clear pattern of this behavior in lots of different industries. They're not just within the cocoa industry that this is a problem. It's not just the way that they're sourcing materials, but also the way that they're marketing materials. Yeah, there's there's lots of different areas and it's a clear pattern of behavior from Nestle. Clearly sort of putting profits and the business above, you know, those more important Everyone things. else. Yeah, pretty much everyone else. Which brings us to water. What do you know about Nestle and water? Uh, not too much. I just know they were buying a lot or getting their hands on water that wasn't necessarily theirs. Yeah. So uh, Nestle are actually the biggest producer of bottled water in the world. Okay. 
Um, also, going back to that leaked memo of theirs. Um, Who leaked on... the memo? Do they, do they know that? Not a clue. They're probably at the bottom of a river or something. Okay. Some ex-employee or? Yeah, Nestle. Nestle took care of them. <laughs> <laughs> Gave them cement shoes, see? The, there's a cocoa plant that they're currently having a tour of. Wait, what was that? Sorry? I said there's a cocoa plant they're currently having a tour of. <laughs> An extended tour. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, with um that leaked memo, only 82% of their water products met that health standard. That's terrible if they're the world's largest supply of bottled water as well. How do you fuck up water? Especially when you hear about how they're getting some of the water. Like, How do you fuck that up? <laughs> put it in a bottle and put the lid on. Jesus. I'm sure there's more to it than that. Well, maybe. I suppose you've got to get the water first. So with Nestle being the largest producer of bottled water, it's in their interests that water not be a universal right. And that's a point that they've put forward a few times. So this is mm -hmm. from their chairman, Peter Brubeck Letmeth. There are two different opinions on the matter of water. Uh, the opinion, which I think is extreme, is represented by the NGOs who bang on about declaring water a public right. That means as a human being, you should have a right to water. That's an extreme solution. Are you fucking read the room? What are you talking about? <laughs> that means as a human being, you should have a right to water. That's an extreme solution. When did he say that? Uh, I don't have a date on the quote, sorry. Uh, um, but I can tell you that in 2000 at the World Water Forum, Mm -hmm. Nestle, Nestle pushed to make access to drinking water a need instead of a right. Mm -hmm. So by, I think it's a small change, but it's a big, so well, a small change in practice changing five letters to four, <laughs> but it's a, it's a massive change changing it from a basic human right or a basic public right to a need. So once something goes from being a right to a need, you don't necessarily have the right to that. It's not a mandatory thing that you should have access to. It's just recognizing that it's a need and it needs to come from somewhere. That's a bit dodgy, isn't it? Yeah. Because I was also reading here that you said the chairman, Peter Barak, let Matthew. It's a good name. Yeah. Peter Brabeck Letmeth. There we go. Because there's a thing here that's saying he later changed his statement in saying a 2013 interview, I am the first one to say water is a human right. In the same interview, he claimed that it was the primary responsibility of every government to provide 30 litres of water a day to, to citizens. Yeah, he, he backpedaled quick on that one. <laughs> his PR guy sat him down in a room afterwards and was like... <sighs> What the fuck? Do you have any idea how hard this makes my job? He's just like, what? Shut up, bitch. Do what I pay you to do. <laughs> Business is good. Uh, anyway, so a couple of examples of the way that they're sourcing their uh, water. So one of the ways that Nestle has been sourcing their water is taking it from regions uh, that they previously had the right to do so but then a lot of their permits have uh expired or they no longer mm -hmm. have permits or the permit type changes so for one example in the san bernardino national forest 
Uh, they've been sourcing water from there without a permit, uh, and they've recently been bumped to the front of the queue to have a permit renewed, which takes about 18 months, but they can still keep working in the meantime. So in the meantime, they can still keep extracting water from that area, and all they have to pay is an annual fee of $524. What? On top, on top of that, California doesn't know how much water Nestle uses because they've got no legal grounds for making the company give them that information. And Nestle hasn't published any reports. So an independent analysis put that water usage at a billion gallons a year. So that doesn't sound like much when you consider that 500 billion gallons of water that will be saved under uh, water restrictions in that area. But there's something absurd and immoral about a private company using a much as much water as they want while the rest of the state is facing severe restrictions. So that's in California. Yeah, that's pretty shitty. California. And they had all those fires and stuff as well. Yep, but there are some areas that have it worse in California. So again, reading from the ZME Science article, in the small Pakistani community of Bati Dilwan, a former village councillor said children are being sickened by filthy water. Who's to blame? He says it's boiled water maker Nestle, which dug a deep well that is depriving locals of potable water. So the water is not only very dirty, but the water level sank from 100 to 300 or 400 feet. My mind just went to the episode where they find the oil in Springfield. Slanted drilling co. And then, yeah, Mr. Burns just... This well's already been tapped. Yeah, that one. That's the one. That's where it went. Yeah, and and you were right to do it. Just the imagery of just, you know, yeah. That's where, that's where it was. We, had to, we haven't had any Simpsons references yet. I had to bring one in. I'm sure there were some subconscious <laughs> ones we fitted in Probably. there somehow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and then, please, please continue. So, so when they're not um, trying to privatize water sources in far-off lands or different places, they're just bottling tap water. So a Chicago-based business sued the company, claiming that fi- a five-gallon jug of ice mountain water they bought was nothing uh, other than tap water. How did he? What did he do to support his claim? Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming they tested it and compared it to a, a, a water sample. Okay, he just went up the mountain himself, tested it, and I, said, "No, they're liars." Liars. That's the thing. There, there is no mountain man. I hope he started by testing his <laughs> local water and comparing it before going looking for a mountain. That would have made much more sense. <laughs> there is no mountain. <laughs> yeah. And more recently, Nestle expressed their concerns to the city of Flint, Michigan, which is undergoing a massive water crisis at the moment. I'm sure you've heard about that, people getting sick and dying from water in a a city Mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. And they're lighting the the tap water on fire and things like that. Yep, which is fucking metal. So brutal. (laughs) That's brutal. Have you seen Metalocalypse? No, I haven't. Oh, it's fucking great. Get on it. They right. just announced that they're doing a movie. Oh, cool. I have a, I've seen a few episodes. I didn't. It's been around for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not new. I think it's at least 10 years or something it's been around. Anyway, so the company was using a nearby water reserve for their own bottled water products. Um, Nestle was bottling hundreds of thousands of bottles, paying only 200 to use this natural reserve. Right next to Flint, Michigan, which doesn't have clean drinking <laughs> water for its citizens. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it's just it, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. There's there's a few other things as well where they 
were trying to get Ethiopia back in 2002 to pay them back a $6 million debt that came about in the 1970s when a military regime seized um, some of their assets. <laughs> but for them to try and get that back in 2002 when Ethiopia has been going through war, famine, pestilence, death, the, all the, the four horsemen for God knows how long, very much a case of read the room. What are, no, the four horsemen. War, famine, death, Nestle. That's 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 them, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe Nestle's the devil <laughs> and the four horsemen work for them. Oh, possibly. And he's, yeah. And they're just like, yeah, now's the time. Uh, I don't know. Do they, they... do they team up? Are they, they well, I think together? The, I think the horsemen work for the devil or they come about at the apocalypse. So I think those four dudes work together, I think. Okay. I don't know if they work for the devil or... They're like private consultants or a private consultancy. Or, or are they like uh, sort of a militia sort of thing? It's like a symbiosis thing, like the apocalypse is happening. Right, this is a perfect environment for us to do our thing, so we're just going to come along. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. There's also, He's, don't you have to break like seven seals? Don't know. Is that, think, is that from the Bible or is that from Supernatural? I know there's, I'm pretty sure there's seals in the Bible as well. Yeah, that would make sense. I think that's where they get supernatural. Really research stuff. their shit. Yeah, it's you. You break the seven seals or signs that get broken, and then that summons the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I believe is one of them Could getting Johnny Cash to say something. Possibly, that would be one of them. <laughs> what's that? What's that song? There's a man going around taking names. Is there? It was. Uh, fuck. What's that song called? <laughs> I don't ring a fire. No, no. Uh, not ring of fire. Um, <laughs> the man comes around. That's it. When the man comes around. What's he coming around for? To kill you. Oh. Take your water. Take your kids. Put them in a cocoa plant, farm, <laughs> plantation, whatever. I see. Uh, another, another example, I don't know how many other companies have been accused of this. Uh, apparently, they made a partnership with... Um, uh, Robert Mugabe's wife, Grace Mugabe, where they were buying a million litres of milk a year, but it was coming from farms seized from their rightful owners. So they forcefully, so this is um, Mugabe and his wife, forcefully seized six of Zimbabwe's most valuable farms uh, since 2002, building a farming empire uh, from illegally confiscated farms which led to an international boycott as well as the European Union and the US putting sanctions on them. But that wasn't enough to stop Nestle from buying it. Right. Okay. Yep. Oh, yeah. So the European Union, the US, international boycott, Did They, they probably didn't research it. They probably just said, yeah, we'll take it. Look at the price on this milk. Yeah. They've practically given it away. That's what it would have been, for sure. Yeah. So I think it just highlights that Nestle are dicks, not because they do anything different than other companies necessarily, although, again, I never heard of any other company doing that, but they probably have. They're all shit in some way. <laughs> but they just do it on such a scale, on such, in such variety. It's almost impressive if it weren't so horrible. Is there any companies that are just good? Well, I mean, I know I swapped to Bank Australia not that long ago because they don't fund any fossil fuel related um enterprises or ventures similar with um shit who's my superannuation with 
I think it's future superannuation. Mm-hmm. Let me check. Future super? Yeah, future super. Again, similar sort of things where they don't invest in any fossil fuels or non-sustainable ventures. So there, mm-hmm. there are ethical companies out there. There's like, um, uh, what is it? Is it eco-choice, eco-friendly, eco-choice? There's Market Watch. What's that? Uh, it, it gives you like a list of super accounts and banks, and it shows you which ones aren't using fossil fuels. So that's a great source. I think it's that one. Well, I could be wrong. It, it might not be Market Watch. I just that's Earth just what Choice. Came that's into what I'm my thinking head. about. Okay. Like there's stuff like Earth Choice that produce a lot of cleaning um, that stuff is the like cleaning washing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think all. All their stuff is environmentally friendly. There's a, I know we get our toilet paper from a company called Who Gives a Crap, <laughs> where they ship it to you in bulk um, and it's all sustainable packaging and it's made from recycled materials. That's kind of cool. So no single-use plastics, that sort of thing. So there's things out there. And I know a lot of supermarkets are getting these things now or working towards these things now where you bring back your containers and you fill it up almost with like a soft serve machine, but of the product that you're filling it with. Mm-hmm. What, so a lot of what like, would they be doing that with though? Like dishwashing liquid. Um, okay. So uh, wait, laundry liquids and powders. Omo and you just go in there. Omo's probably a bad example, but you just go in there and pull the button and it pours into your little container and then you go on your way. Yeah, off, off you go. Yeah. Cool. And if you're stupid enough to drink it, well, fuck you. What if they put, like, Fab in there instead of Omo? I don't know. Like, what if you put brown onions through instead of, um, what's something really expensive in the self-serve checkout? Uh, I don't know. All I can think of steaks. is jalapenos. Like, you put through a big bag of steaks as these, these are brown onions. Okay, yeah, let's say you do that. Or jalapenos. This is going to mess up the stock take and the sales and everything. That sounds like a you problem. Well, it's not my problem. I don't work for the supermarket anymore. Spiritually, you still do. Like, I mean, it's got a bit of your soul. Yeah, there's a you've got, bit. You've got a Horcrux set up at the Torquay Woolies out back. <laughs> Probably. Well, see, mean, not, your no. Horcrux is one of the um the the pallet jacks. No, it's the baler. Oh, the baler. <laughs> Jane, can you show me how to do this? Uh, Every week for four years. Fuck that machine. Fuck Nightfield as well. I didn't mind Nightfield. Uh, it just depends what shift you're on. Uh, whoever's, just... who's ever's immediately before me, fuck you. <laughs> no, I just used to like put in my headphones, jamming along to my music. Ooh, ah, just okay. filling stuff. No rotating, no. though. Fuck that. <laughs> it's frozen anyway. Actually, no, sorry, not 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 no rotating, um, no facing. No I'll facing. rotate. That's fair. Okay. Facing the freezer is a bitch. Yeah, that sucked. For anyone who doesn't know, so we're talking about the uh, fridge and freezers at supermarkets. Rotating is when you bring the old stuff to the front and put the new stuff at the back, so it doesn't go out of date. Facing is when you bring everything forward to make the shelves look really full and nice. We used to have to do that in the the freezers, which fucking sucked because, yeah, 
either did it without gloves to be more nimble and speedy and get it done quickly, or you did it with gloves and your hands were big and clumsy and it took you forever to do. Also, if anyone's going for a job interview at a supermarket, you're going to nail it now after listening to Luke's definitions and it says, please explain these things on a bit of paper, if they still do that. Well, look at me, making a positive change in the world. <laughs> Some freckled, pimply teenage out there with braces. Thanks, Luke. Hit us up on Twitter for any more questions about working in supermarkets. Working in supermarkets and then uh, or the energy industry. Uh, what else have we done? Working, scuba working in hostel, scuba diving. Hostel. Uh, being a chef for about two months and hating it. Property maintenance, gardening. There we go. Paper round. We've done it all. Yeah. I mean, we've got a pretty good level of experience. <laughs> Excellent. All right. I think this is a wrap. Yeah, I think we've been going for a long time. That's about an hour. That's pretty good. Well, Nestle is a very evil company. We had a lot to go over. Yeah. Yes, they are. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? Uh, we're going to go find a shower. Nice. And then probably look into getting, going to a new accommodation instead of Stevenson's Falls because it's getting quite wet there. <laughs> yes. So probably move along from there and we'll just see what happens. What about yourself? I think I've got a little bit of schoolwork to go over, but that's about it. I think I'm going to relax for the day. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty miserable. Oh, oh actually, no, I want, I, want, I want to go out and do my fucking my jump program. I've been doing this jump program for the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to increase my vertical jump, so when I come back to basketball after lockdown, I'm going to fucking dunk on some fools. <laughs> there you go. You can also put in some basketball questions as well. Welcome to the Space Jam, soccer. Space, they're selling Space Jam um, t-shirts. I walked past a shop the other day and they had Space Jam t-shirts. I'm like, is it making a comeback? What's happening? Have you not heard about Space Jam Legacy? What? No. Or, sorry, is it Space Jam A New Legacy? Is there a new movie? Oh, mate. Oh, so I think it's called Space Jam A New Legacy. Comes out in July with LeBron James. There we go. There we go. Yep. Uh, it's like not like proper cartoon animation. It's like 3D animation and everything. Have you? And they took, they removed Pepe Le Pew from the trailer or from the movie or some shit because I think he's been cancelled or whatever. Yep. <laughs> but in the background of one of the scenes in the trailer, you can see a rape gang from A Clockwork Orange. Right. Okay. Courtside, like cheering being fans so they took out Pepe Le Pew but they left in an actual rape gang brilliant good job good job everybody that's a wrap that is that is and on that note we will end <laughs> thoughts for you to dwell on and go watch the trailer that's what I'm going to do <laughs> I am going to Sit back, relax, and stay safe and stay informed. See you, suckers.